Blog Talk Radio. Pinkerton, a licensed, board-certified music therapist and founder of Music for Life. And Music for Life, music is at the core of all that we do, connecting you to the life of your spirit through the life of your senses. With composer Ludwig van Beethoven's quote, music is the mediator between the life of the senses and the life of the spirit. So how do we practice healing heart, mind, body, and spirit? We plug you into yourself differently with music at the core, discovering that when you listen or play music, you find out how the music is really playing you. We support you harnessing the power of music to create a healthy lifestyle, connecting you to the life of your spirit through the life of your senses. Today, we are broadcasting from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where I have the honor of playing in the Coeur d'Alene Symphony with concerts scheduled this weekend featuring young artist soloists from across the United States. We have three of the six soloists on today's show to discuss how music can support excellence in our lives. We'll be exploring creative arts training, music preferences, and exactly what does excellence mean. So I would like to welcome Beatrice Shea, Elizabeth Yao, and Avik Ganguly, who are soloists with the Coeur d'Alene Symphony on March 10th and 11th. Welcome to the show, Beatrice, Hi. Elizabeth, Hello. and Abit. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank I know you so much for having a, us. A, Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be a very different um, conversation than the interview that you did this morning on uh, the local national public radio station in Spokane. First of all, you don't have your instruments to be able to play us a tune. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to link our callers our listeners, I should say, to that episode so that they can actually hear some of the excerpts that you performed on NPR so that they can get a little bit clearer idea because I don't think that the Coeur d'Alene Symphony concerts are being recorded for um, – replaying right yeah i don't believe that that's the case yeah so yeah the public radio performance will be 
So we'll make sure that there's a link um, on this uh, blog talk radio page so that people can hear excerpts as well. So thinking about, um, you know, early on to later on in your creative arts training, and I want to refer to it as creative arts training because it may not necessarily have been just music that attracted you to the arts. So, you know, I, I originally was telling you I was going to do like, you know, interviews of you separately and kind of go through a, that progression. But I'm thinking more, uh, maybe doing a comparison, thinking back to your earliest recollection of what an arts training was for you, you know, with all, with all the arts. Was there one particular medium that attracted you first? Avik, I'll have you respond if you're thinking of something, or Beatrice or um, Elizabeth, just jump in one at a time. Sure. Um, for me, um, you know, uh, my parents are both from India, so originally my first exposure to music and the arts was uh, Indian classical music. So, uh, you know, my sister sings, and then there's also dance training uh, in the Indian classical method. So that's originally what I was first exposed to um, before transitioning into piano lessons and Western classical music. Uh, okay, me, so, so go ahead. Oh, well, for me, uh, my parents uh, were also immigrants. My parents are originally from Taiwan, um, but they were... Uh, going to grad school in America, and they had grown up listening to uh, Western music as well. So my first exposure to the arts in general was actually more Western-based. Um, and uh, as a kid, I took dance lessons and art lessons. Um, and I, my first exposure to uh, Western classical music was um, as a four-and-a-half-year-old starting on piano, and then when I was six years old, I saw this PBS broadcast of an orchestra performing, and I think the soloist was Itzhak Perlman, and um, sitting on that couch with my parents and my siblings, um, I just fell in love with the violin as an instrument, and I was mimicking all the players in the orchestra with the vibrato and all the bow strokes, so after that, I begged my parents for lessons. And from then on, I was uh, studying piano and violin very seriously. Thank you, Beatrice. Elizabeth? Yeah, for me, um, I had a kind of similar background. So my parents also were immigrants to the United States, and they didn't, they didn't um, have any musical training of their own, but they kind of wanted me and my siblings to just try a lot of different things. So we, we had, like, dance lessons. We had art lessons, um, and all of us played the piano at one, there's, there's five of us, so all of us played the piano at some point or another, but I was the only one that kind of really uh, was drawn to it and stuck with it, and yeah, that was basically, I think they just wanted us to try a lot of different things, a lot of different art forms, and see which one really resonated with us. Right, I think um, just in terms of how uh, we were raised, I think all of our parents wanted us to be exposed to as mm -hmm. many different um, aspects of culture, mm -hmm. um, not only so that we could find um, a hobby or a passion, but also so that uh, we could just be more well-rounded individuals as a whole, right. because you can learn so much from tackling these difficult disciplines, and you can grow a lot 
um, from those. Mm-hmm. So I think that was ultimately the 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 bond that we all had with um, with music and the other arts that we were exposed mm-hmm. to, and that's why we continue to do it today. Yeah. So it's thinking. Okay. So first of all, it's having um, kind of the out of the box thinking parents that are looking for that art form that is going to ignite your passion to want to learn more or experience more that enlivens your spirit, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Yeah, and so then once your parents are successful in finding that for you and paying attention to what the signs are, I mean, for instance, for you, Beatrice, watching TV and noticing the violinists and mimicking them at a tender age of, you said, like four and a half? <laughs> um, uh, six for violin, then, yeah. So them noticing that that's what you were doing and, you know, consenting to, yeah, that looks really important for you and being open to mm-hmm. spending the expense and all of that to make sure that you had what which would um, make your your heart and your being come alive. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. in that experience of feeling connected to something that makes you feel alive, that it kind of opens up your mind. I, I remember, Avik, you were describing in the uh, NPR interview today about the Chopin piece that you played where you were, you know, creating this image of what you were seeing and feeling and, and believing about the piece that you were yeah. playing. And it, it's mm-hmm. that kind of um, exploration that gets you outside of yourself and makes it something bigger. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, so for me, like, when I play a piece, I'll usually, like, try to connect it to, like, some aspect of, like, how I'm living, because I feel like you could, the way to truly connect with music and express it is if you can relate to it. If it's something, you know, that's foreign or alien to you, it's going to be a lot harder to become one with the piece. Um, so that's basically what I try to do. I try to think of, you know, some way, like, that this piece is telling a story and how that story relates to my life. And so for the winter wind, it was, like, a lot easier to do because, you know, um, in Portland, like, this winter, it was, like, every single night there would be these howling winds outside. So whenever I would practice um, the running work, I would try to think, you know, I want it to sound like that because, you know, that's where this piece drives its name from. And, you know, really emulating that was kind of my goal. Um, And I feel like that actually helped me progress and play the piece better than I did originally. Okay, so I'm going to take a leap here, and I'm going to help you to connect some dots. I know that one of your genres of preference is rap music, right? Um, well, like, sometimes I listen to it occasionally. I feel like, uh, for me, I'm open to all kinds of music. Um, in particular, I really like um, uh, jazz. and Like, outside of classical music, my favorite kind is jazz. Um, recently I've been like looking into uh, pop and um, with rap it's more about the instrumentals um, and really like that's what I've noticed is um, you know popular songs for both pop and rap have um, these instrumentals and they're usually comprised of really simple chord progressions so I've actually been experimenting at home with developing some of these so my classical music trainings actually come in really handy um, with theory and so I feel like that's actually a way you can bridge uh, between different genres of music is in um, connecting, you know, the styles and because they all derive from common theory. You know, music theory is applicable to all aspects of music, 
Um, and so you're actually able to uh, do more um, the more you know. And classical music is, I think, the foundation for all kinds of music. So once you learn how to do classical music, it's easy to branch into pretty much any other kind. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. So let's break it down a little bit more um, cleanly. So rap music tends to be on a never-ending loop. And it's yeah. very simplistic and doesn't have, I mean, true rap, not hip-hop, you know, put into it, um, is very simplistic and is on a loop and is more about um, a very, very simple chord progression, if there is one, and yeah. the beat. It's the beat that counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've noticed is um, what I'll do is like sometimes like a song will come on the radio and I'll just come home and like write up the chord progression on the piano. And like I actually learned how to play a lot of like popular songs um, through that. Like if I go to like my friend's house, like on their piano, I can usually play the, the piano part for them and, you know, they can like sing along with the song. So that's kind of been pretty fun. Um, and that's where classical music really come in handy in enabling me to, uh, you know, move out into other aspects of music as well. Well, so I'm wondering then if you're wanting to get into like the video game industry and creating and composing music, because I know it's a huge bucks, huge bucks industry. Is that a direction that you're thinking of? Yeah, I actually do compose. Um, like I write, I help write, I'm in an acapella group uh, for my school. So I help, I help to arrange um, like some of the songs that they do. Um, and I've also like uh, in my AP music theory class last year, I actually learned like, you know, the aspects of counterpoint and how to write music. So I've been uh, working with choral music. I have some uh, piano pieces I've been working on. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's um, my, like one of my goals is to like help write music for a uh, film score. Like I'm really big on film scores, like Lord of the Rings is my favorite uh, film score. Also like Hans Zimmer. So, you know, those the, the power of uh, music to really, uh, dictate a storyline. I found that in movies, a large part of the plot is enhanced by the, the film music itself. So I kind of want to help, you know, uh, bring about that aspect of a film by just helping create music for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what would a, a movie be without the music, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have the same emotional connection to it. So it's noticing for our listeners how you can start off a week um, with preferring, you know, the piano and moving into other forms and noticing the other music genres out there and how you could actually fashion a career for yourself in, I mean, the music industry and the varieties of ways that you can be involved are so vast and it's really thinking outside the box about, okay, so what am I really interested in that could drive my desire to be alive every day? Because that's when your yeah. job is then becomes fun, right? Instead of, oh, i got to go to work today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Beatrice, going to your leap now into uh, the violin and what you would say you've learned from your training with the violin that cross-pollinates into other areas of your life when we think about what excellence means. Would you have any thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Tackling an instrument and trying to work towards this um, sometimes abstract idea of 
perfection and what is, is considered your best is something that um, is uh, at the crux of every um, person's struggle, I think, in life, not only for musicians, but um, anyone in, in work, in their personal life. Um, and learning an instrument uh, really reinforces a lot of the lessons that one thinks of when it comes to uh, work-life balance and dealing with stress. Um, as a student at the Cleveland Institute of Music, I am uh, playing for maybe eight, ten hours a day. Um, and that's not just uh, practice time, but also rehearsals um, for chamber music, orchestra, um, also just playing for fun. And all of that adds up to a lot of time spent working on um, your, your dream and your passion and uh, trying to get better at that every day. And it's, it's a struggle sometimes because not every day is um, one in which you feel like you really get up to 100% of uh, what you envisioned you should sound like or what you should feel like. So... Um, I think that kind of um, difficulty in uh, just your mental state is something that kind of goes across all boards. And um, with music, that pursuit of excellence, um, which is a very abstract idea, um, is something that really teaches you a lot of lessons about um, how you are going to deal with um times when you feel like you're in a mental rut um, and uh, how to get out of that, to know what your personal cycle might be like mentally in terms of dealing with your uh, ups and downs, and um, also just how you want to prioritize things and, and finding that balance, finding what makes you really happy at the end of the day. Yes, yes. And Elizabeth, we don't want to leave you out here. You are embarking and, and involved with your doctoral program in piano studies, correct? Right. I just started this year. Yeah. So pretty intense and different from your master's and bachelor's levels. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, do you, it's, been a, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. So in thinking about, you know, going through high school, which is where Avik is right now, and uh, with Beatrice being at the undergraduate level and you now at the second degree graduate level, um, looking at your journey and how your creative arts training has continued to support you in up-leveling what you do, um, have any thoughts about how that creative arts training supports you in being able to be successful you know, in higher degrees of training. Right. Yeah. It's, I think, like Beatrice said, it's something, the things that you learn when you're pursuing an instrument are definitely things that you can take to all aspects of your life. So um, there's definitely the aspect of discipline. Like you have to practice so many hours per day in order to be good at what you do. You have to um, push through even when you're tired or hungry or you've had like, you know, a 10 hours straight of classes and rehearsal and then you have to practice your own things. So there's definitely that, um, that 
aspect of being dedicated enough to something that you can overlook all your all your weariness and all your struggles and even just even your mental I mean in my journey I've had a lot of doubts about you know is this something that I can pursue for the rest of my life and every time I've been able to say yeah this is definitely worth it even though it's difficult at times just because um, there's something so rewarding about putting in all those hours and then connecting with the instrument and connecting with other people through Mm. the music that you're creating. So definitely there's the disciplinary aspect. There's also um, the ability to analyze problems, I think, and problem solve in an efficient way because the amount of repertoire that you're required to take on as an undergraduate or master's or doctoral student is just incredible. Like not only solo repertoire, but chamber repertoire. If you're an orchestral musician, you have your orchestral repertoire, your excerpts, um, auditions and competitions to prepare for, and they all require different things. So, um, and it can feel like it all just piles on. Yeah. yeah. It's overwhelming. So it's definitely, you have to learn how to use your time efficiently. And I think something that I've learned over the years is how to, figure out, you know, exactly what is causing a problem and how to go about it, how to fix that problem in an efficient and smart way, which is, I mean, something that I'm still learning how to do, <laughs> but um, it's gotten better over the years. And I think I can see myself using that kind of mindset when I approach other fields, like my academic work or, um, you know, if I have to plan for something, um, yeah, just the ability to figure out what exactly might cause an issue and then approach that issue from different uh, perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has been really helpful in my life. And also, um, I know I've been talking a long time, but also uh, I really think that music among all art forms, uh, it really strikes a chord in the human heart that I don't really, I'm biased, of course, but I don't really feel that other art forms have that same direct line to the human heart. And I, I feel that being able to pursue music for so long has made me really think about the purpose of art in our lives and um, the essential, uh, how essential it is to have emotional vulnerability and emotional Mm. honesty and right. empathy for others. Right, and empathy. And it's amazing that this profession that I'm pursuing is not, it is something that kind of transcends the practical, you know, and it really speaks to the what humanity. It, yeah, the humanity. Mm-hmm. So, what it means to be a human and what it means to mm-hmm. communicate uh, genuinely with other people, I think, is something that has really, I've been really grateful for mm-hmm. as I study music. Yeah, it is. It is such fun when you can find someone like the two of you did. I don't believe you knew each other before the competition, right, Elizabeth and Beatrice? No, we didn't. <laughs> no, right. And so, <laughs> we, we, yes, so you decide, <laughs> you know, at the last minute that you're going to play a Brahms sonata together, and all you did was just mm-hmm. kind of look at it and and trust each other. And I demonstrate <laughs> yeah. to my my clients. All the time when I find a, a good musician amongst them where we improv together, that that synergy of being able to come together mm-hmm. and have that trust and that bond of knowing right. 
that through music the you can do something life. beautiful yeah. together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, so that was really hope. <laughs> what? That was a really like fun experience to be able to like work on our individual parts right. and then come together yesterday. Yeah, that's another great thing about music actually is yeah. that you spend so much time in a practice room by yourself mm-hmm. thinking about things uh, from a sometimes very technical standpoint mm-hmm. of exactly what I can do to make this better. But then at the end of the day, when you're playing with other people or you're playing for other people, you realize at the center of it all is this human connection and that overrides any and all of the stress that you've had for so many days mm-hmm. locking yourself up in one room. It all ends up being worth it. And as someone who also is very passionate about chamber music, what I really love is that you can have people with different ideas and um, different thoughts just come together and work on making something beautiful together. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that is really hard to replicate. Um, so that development of communication skills, of trust, of bonding is just so, so important. And I'm very fortunate that music has taught me that through, um, throughout my life. Yes, and what's interesting about what we learn in the creative arts training is that it cross-populates to other areas of our life so that we may not be doing music, Mm -hmm. but we still have the same habits. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so I remember sharing with you that there was a a senator in Nevada that was um, speaking at a governor's arts awards banquet that I attended, and he referenced uh, conversation with a headhunter who cited um, Australians as being the most sought-after executives on the planet because they are extreme problem solvers due to the 12 years required in Australian schools of creative arts training. And oh, looking at that, that very interesting. yeah, looking at that and realizing that. Um, each of you, if you, if something happened where you were not able to create music in the same way that you're used to doing right now, that whatever you learned from your training would absolutely cross-pollinate over into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's important, of course, that we support music education, that we support music therapy, that we support anything with the creative arts that support somebody really engaging with their spirit, not just their mind and their body, but their spirit as mm-hmm. well as their heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something I think we can all agree on. Yeah. So I'm going to shift over to one last topic here to discuss that when we get into a stress state where we're feeling angry or depressed or sad <laughs> or anxious, you know, it's like, what do we go to for music that might help alleviate those moods? So, Vic, when you get unsettled within, I mean, what mood pops out at you that you might feel more often? Anxious, angry, depressed, or sad? Pick one. Uh, probably stressed or anxious. Okay. That's probably so what do you do when you feel that? Um, so, generally, like... Um, for me, one of the ways, like, um, I have multiple ways of addressing that. So one is, like, I usually, like, uh, go to the practice room, and instead of just playing the piece, I'll go to, like, a technical passage, and I'll just, like, hammer out the notes. And, like, it's just a way of just, like, you know, 
Releasing first of all, the energy. Yeah. Right? First of all, it's just like it helps me just you know get the passage better, and um, it, but it's also a way of just like uh, I feel like stress for me comes from just you know. Uh, it's just like a lot of emotion that's cooped up over time, mm. and so it's important to just have outlets. And mm-hmm. I feel like piano is one of the outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times, if I just want to like uh, another way of relaxing, I'll usually listen to like some smooth jazz, like usually just like saxophone with right. like a, you know drum bass, and like that's <laughs> what I, what I um, so that usually helps me calm down too. So like before, like the day before a test or you know a big performance or something, I'll usually listen to that kind of music, and that's really what helps me. Yes, thank you. And Elizabeth and Beatrice, do you have any other options to offer about how you, what mood you feel the most unsettled and what you might do about it? Uh, well, for me, um, similar to the, when I feel unlike myself, it's usually when I feel overwhelmed and stressed out. Um, and well, a fair amount of the time is tied to the <laughs> to my instrument and the struggles of just <laughs> learning how to play it even after 14, 15 years. Um, so sometimes I'm in the mood where I just don't want to be around classical music and I don't want to listen to violin. I don't want to be around it. And so for that, I usually will uh, maybe find a quiet space either in my room or um, at one of my favorite de-stressing places like the Cleveland Botanical Gardens, the art museum. And um, I'll just find some, yeah, jazz is always really great for that. Um, And also to just uh, read through articles and um, look at art and just remind myself that there is, um, there's beauty out there that isn't necessarily (laughs) always tied to whatever I'm making it. Thank you. I am so sorry. We are running out of time. I want to wish all of our listeners the best day, and we are gone. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh.